0: This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell, and joining me in the studio today, all masked and socially distanced, are the Toledo Symphony's president and CEO, Zach Basser. We also have the TSO's marketing director, Vanessa Gardner. And on the phone, we have principal second violin and artistic administrator Merwin Sue, and our intrepid music director Alain Trudel. Boy, we've got the the whole gang here th- today, don't we? It's Old
1: no. Home Week at what? Toledo Symphony
0: Lab. Yeah, it's yeah. Old Home Week, definitely. What we are taking as our point of departure this concert, chamber concert here. that <laughs> is happening. <laughs> It wouldn't be the first time that you've left early, Zach. <laughs> it, it, wow. The, the concert is called Prodigal Songs. Get it? Songs, not sons. Prodigal Songs. It's happening uh, March 21st, 7 o'clock p.m. Uh, you can stream this live at stream.artstoledo.com. Is this going to be open to the public as yes, far as we know? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes.
1: Okay. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Excellent. hope you can stop asking that question soon.
0: I, yeah. I hope so as yeah. well. Yeah. Because, you know, we've been doing this for a year now. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's wonderful that audiences are back, are enjoying the symphony mm-hmm. in person. It's a wonderful way. But don't forget that you have all those wonderful concerts still streaming mm-hmm. on uh, the com. And speaking of which, uh, this episode is going to air on St. Patrick's Day. So, hey, my friends. If you're listening and you're celebrating St. Patrick's tonight, then why not order up the St. Patrick's Day concert, grab a few brewskis or your beverage of choice, and uh, you're you're good to go, wouldn't you say, Vanessa?
2: Absolutely, slancha.
0: Slancha, yes. <laughs>
2: Cheers to that!
0: I'm glad we finally know how to pronounce that word, slancha. <laughs> well, again, that's at stream.artstoledo.com. But let's talk about the prodigal songs concert. And maybe, Merwin, you can talk a little bit about the uh, the stuff that we're going to hear on this concert, and then we'll talk about that as well. Why don't you go ahead, Merwin, tell us about it.
3: Sure. I think the concert really pivots around this pairing of two really early chamber works by two really amazing compositional prodigies. Um, one is by Dmitry Shostakovich, his first piano trio, and then the other is I believe, Alain Trudell's very first. Thanks Well, that was Sorry, a little we louder, really
1: excited about that.
0: <laughs> a little louder than <laughs> I meant it to be. In case you didn't hear, that was by Alain Trudell. Alain Trudell's music featured on this concert. Okay, Merwin, yeah. go ahead. D- don't mind the interruption.
3: <laughs> oh, it's no problem. I'm used to it by now on this show. <laughs> and then we're actually closing the program with an other great compositional prodigy, in Richard Strauss. While this is an early work of Strauss', I don't think it would actually qualify as one of his, like, you know, prodigal work. He's, he was very much in his stride at the time he wrote Till, Eulenspiegel. Um, that being said, we've got this really fun chamber arrangement, Till, Eulenspiegel, Einmal Anders, where basically we take the entire, oh, you know, four-score instruments of the orchestra that typically perform Till, and, you know, reduce it down to the Necessary Five. So it's really, really <laughs> the, necessary the Necessary Five. five. <laughs> the Necessary
0: Five. It sounds like you're regressing into the Marvel Universe again,
3: Merlin. <laughs> Once Merwin. again, yes. The Fantastic Four, the Necessary Five.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly.
2: Only five people are necessary to play Tilleroy Lynch people. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, the, the, no. The, the pranks aren't merry. They're just, you know, slightly sardonic. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I thought it, it felt more like the Jungle Book, like a <laughs> the necessary time, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like bare necessities. I get it. Oh, yeah. This from our resident composer.
1: That's
0: right. Well, there's a, a lot of stuff to unpack just with these three pieces mm-hmm. uh, by Shostakovich, Strauss, and our music director, Alain Trudel. Um, why don't we take them in reverse order and talk about your piece first, Alain? because this is an early work of yours you know you're included in this umbrella of, of prodigal songs so tell us uh, first of all how old you were sort of set the scene for us about the composition of this uh, string quartet hey remember this music
4: yeah. <laughs> it, wow oh yeah
0: yeah so elaine okay. how old were you when you wrote this piece
4: what? It fits about with the music we're listening to. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Uh, yeah, it's the end of the 70s, beginning of the 80s. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, well, it, it's a few years. I wrote a little bit when I was 15, a little bit when I was 16. So it's, uh, it's really during the teenage years. And uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't know anything. I mean, it's, uh, it's really, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's like it's sort a of past life and uh when when it's been when it's played it always feels like it's played by somebody else it's really interesting i mean i i like it i mean it's a i don't um i don't deny it Uh it's a, you know it's, it's it's it is what it is i mean once it's out there it has to live by by itself it has its own life and that's the most difficult thing for me anyway when i write music is just to stop fiddling with it not no pun intended but uh, <laughs> once it's out there and none other, like, seriously but it's uh, yeah so, yes, a lot of, uh, I would say, energy preoccupation, occupation, uh, a little bit um, in the sense of when you're a teenager, you know, you just go all out for some things and you would look at it after and you say, oh my God, I would have kept myself a little bit uh, a little bit of reserve there, but you don't know when you're a teenager, you're just, you're just all out. So, that's why I never went back and fixed anything and then I just left it out. Uh, <sighs>
0: Well, I have to say, I remember hearing this during the It was the 419 Festival that they performed this piece, mm-hmm. yeah. and I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's really a likable piece of music, sort of just like you, Elaine, a very likable oh. uh, person <laughs> as well. But um, I remember hearing it and thinking, gosh, a lot of this reminds me of Shostakovich,
4: I
1: you know. The same feeling. Yeah,
4: <laughs> a lot of influence of Shostakovich, yeah. Shostakovich and Bartok are... So Tukovic, Bartok, Mahler, uh, and, you know the, the heroes I have that are not in classical music, that are not in, uh, in the you know the Romantic era or the classical era. But I would say that the composer that influenced me the most, especially when it was, you, you know, those are the ages where you basically I haven't I heard like maybe a little something of Bartok, and uh, I heard by sixteen I'd heard a lot of Shostakovich because it was like a composer I really liked. But uh, keep in mind I started playing music or studying music when I was 12 so I'm not somebody who started when I was 6 or 7
1: yeah. So I didn't have
4: all that much baggage of knowledge, you know. Oh. <laughs> I think
1: we just got we we just got points assigned. I think that's what that that uh, chime yeah. meant. That that yeah. we've now <laughs> mentioned the word Mahler, so we don't need to yeah. go any farther <laughs> for this podcast today. Exactly. Um,
5: <laughs> well, but, all right, uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> if if I may, I mean,
1: it, it, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that. I remember hearing the performance. This is two Augusts ago, I think, and um, you know, I, I felt a fair amount of anxiety, honestly, because it was the first time I was hearing one of your compositions. We then heard another one of your compositions. I think that that September, to um, actually no, that's not true. I think we had one of your compositions on your opening concert, didn't we?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something very short. Yeah, right. It's difficult for me to talk about me, my music. I mean, I'm giving it a big effort, but <laughs> it, it is. But I, I
1: remember just sitting and closing my eyes and falling into this music in such a beautiful way. And I was speaking with with Carly, who played cello in that performance, and and she's so happy that we're performing it again, and is excited to hear it because you know she was of course creating it at the moment. She wants to sit back yeah. and have the experience I had. But um, I'll be honest, I pushed really hard to to get this onto the Chamber Series this year. And because of those Shostakovich alliance uh, or um, mm-hmm. reference points, I thought it was really uh, appropriate that Merwin came up with the idea to pair it with uh, the, the first uh, trio. Yeah. Um, but you, you should really be proud of this. This is a, yeah maybe a, a, a moment from your... Your teenage years, and, and I'm sure your your compositional chops have only uh, become more formidable since then. But you know, this is still a beautiful, beautiful piece of chamber music. Yeah, you gotta own it, man. You know, you wrote it, you own it. You break no, it, you I'm fix it. it. <laughs> and, and, I mean, let, let, let's face it, you, you could have taken the easy way out. You could have written a trio instead of a quartet, and had uh-huh. that a one-movement, uh-huh. you know, 15-minute trio, <laughs> like, like, like old Dimitri did.
0: Well, I, I'm interested why you gravitated towards strings, because, you know, we know you as a brass player, and strings can be kind of tricky to write for a string quartet, I'm, mean, and you were a teenager, were you studying uh, the string technique? I mean, what got you interested in doing a string quartet?
4: Uh, Shostakovich string quartet. <laughs> I, I <didn't> that.
3: <laughs> That's it right and, and there. You know, let, the, me ret, let me rescue alan just a little bit from this, because I could <laughs> totally get it. When I was like 14 and a half, it was the first time I heard the Shostakovich first violin concerto, and it changed my life. It was This was a composer who somehow really captured the ability to kind of sublimate personal feelings and emotions, combine them with the world around him, and somehow transcend all of it. It's not just personal, it's not just geopolitical, it becomes universal, and yet it very much lives within his personal experience and his political experience. And it was life-changing for me as a teenager, and... Uh, And, like, when you go to the string quartets, they're even more personal. They're even more vulnerable. And I think there's, it's, in a weird way, there's almost a permission granted that, like, when you're listening to a Shostakovich string quartet, you go, oh, my gosh, I can write like that. I'm allowed to put my heart that much out there. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's liberating as a performer. I can't imagine it. It's probably similarly liberating as a composer to, to say, I can write this melody that makes me feel the way I feel and just put it out there.
0: Yeah. Well, Merwin, we, we wait with bated breath for your string quartet, mm-hmm. definitely, for the Essential Five. Or Trombone right? Quartet. The oh. Quintet. <laughs> Not only the Five.
4: <laughs>
0: Still waiting for yeah, that. A
4: big, influence was also, a big influence was also the the Juilliard uh, quartet uh, recording of mm. all Bartok uh, string quartet. Yeah. You know, that old recording that's never been, you know, surfed on. Yeah. I was really big into, of course, the chord number two and four. And uh, I, I don't know, I mean, I'm, yes, I'm a brass player, but I, I didn't really listen to brass music. I mean, except on the jazz side. But on classical side, uh, when I was a, a, younger, a younger kid, uh, I wasn't too much into brass. I really, really like string music a lot.
1: And I want to rewind for just a second because something you had said earlier, um, I, I never considered. The, you were um, starting to play music at, you said, age 12, yeah? Yeah. And so this is a piece from, I mean, very early in your, your world of understanding music, you know, four years in or so. You're composing already. I mean, I'm I'm at at, at three years in, still looking for middle C, and you're writing string quartets. I mean, um, that's what
2: makes him a prodigy, and you just just a normal guy. Just another old (laughs) man. I
4: I had the great, the really amazing luck of in the high school where I I I I went, that two mentors that were amazing and uh we had a we, it was a public school and uh, we had uh but we had a symphony orchestra in the school also but it was like you know it's basically with whatever instruments <laughs> we had but uh the one of the mentors we had one was about you know conducting mainly conduct every week uh which is valuable invaluable when you're a teenager you start having access to uh, what we call the instrument the orchestra. but also we had other teachers that what he did we had we had choral with him of course we we sang and we also had a kind of a appreciation uh, you know music appreciation and also he would he would challenge us and uh, and he saw that I liked writing music that that's really what what I wanted to be I wanted to be a composer I, I knew already when I you know when I started off almost I wrote music the first year I was you know playing music I was already starting to write some stuff nothing any good but you know just trying you know having a desire to write something, and well, uh, it's not even a desire; it just happens. It's not something you wake up one morning and say, "I'm going to do this." It just it needs to happen. You know? So, uh and he, he always encouraged me, and he never judged me, and that helped me so much because it's a it's a tough world now. Not as much as in the 80s, 80s and 90s, is that the 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 aesthetics in the 80s and the 90s you need to be like very uh, avant-garde and you need to be in the Bauhaus school, especially from where I am. And uh, if you didn't write, if you wrote something that people recognized, like, oh, I think that's a, that's a chord. It was <laughs> like, you know, you, you have to be burned on uh, somewhere in the middle of the town, you know? But, uh,
2: it's, uh, <laughs> oh, very dramatic. So,
4: yeah. Wow, Montreal is yeah. different than Edmonton.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really gentrified. Yeah,
2: yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so that, that, that,
4: that, that was a big thing. And to have somebody when I was a teenager just tell me Oh yeah keep keep at it, keep at it you're you're doing some good progress there, and even if some of it was like you know I, I always wrote stuff, and um I wrote some choral pieces that we even sang on t v when I was a teenager and and it was uh it was interesting, but uh this quartet uh, yeah, it was a movement every six months or so, I had an inspiration of something and something in um uh, or for history that that I want to uh, Right, but you know, it's, it's the influences are, are quite strong in it. So, but I think it's I I, I really appreciate that that you're uh, putting on the program again. Well,
1: thank you. Yeah. yeah so for writing it, uh, we'll we'll
0: take the pressure off of you a little bit of because I know that you're you're fairly modest when it comes to talking about your work as a composer. Um, but let's talk about that big influence on you, Shostakovich, and this piano trio, which is on the program. Shostakovich was a teenager when he wrote this piece. You wanna, who wants to jump in and, and talk about uh, the piano trio number one? Of Shostakovich.
1: Well, this is the piece I was making fun of a second ago. It's a magnificent piece of, of chamber music. It's it's a it's it's a trio, not a quartet, as I mentioned. It's, right, uh, essential three. <laughs> essential three. <laughs> um, it's a single movement, unlike Alain Tridels' piece, um, <laughs> but uh, also written by a. Um, by a teenager, and and you know, as Merwin was talking a couple of minutes ago about the quartets that Shostakovich wrote, even though this is such an early work, it does foreshadow so much of his style. There's that sort of like sneering, dancy, uh, kind of the 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 dum-key idea that that he brings in so beautifully. Um, the the harmonies are so Shostakovich uh, rich. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's opus, what, eight? I mean, this is still such early days for Shostakovich. Um, but it's such a great opportunity to kind of forecast where he's going to go with his music in the world. And, and if, if I compare this to one of the, the late quartets, uh, that he wrote, Merwin, help me out here, which is the one that, that's all slow movements?
3: The 15th. Oh my gosh, that's just.
1: I mean, you can't really draw a line between this and that. But if if you were, I mean, you can just basically say that he's a he's somebody who, as Merwin said, put his social, political, his personal experiences into his music. If you draw that line from this Opus Eight to that that Fifteenth String Quartet, you can only imagine the kind of life and pressure and experience he must have had, um, because he was always already writing at such a high level, and, and he went there.
3: I think it th- that life and pressure that you talked about started really right around the time he was writing this piece. Mm-hmm. His father died just a few months before that, and so he was basically uh, working. This was right around the time he was starting his kind of cinema piano yeah. sort of thing. And so, like, so on one hand, he's um, you know playing all the time and getting paid for it. On the other hand, this is exactly the type of playing that he found was really kind of hampering his creative aspirations because he he couldn't really you know sit down and not have this these kind of like silent film scores that he was improvising not go through his head and so I think that you really get that sense of somebody pushing through something um, like I think this is this was maybe one of his first huge life experiences and the f- first time you ran into this sort of creative barrier and I think this piece was kind of that first way out through
0: that. Well, you may remember a few years ago we did kind of a a, a prodigy episode where we had the violinist Blake Pulio on, and I know that you know him very well, Elaine. And, and it was about musical geniuses, and we did have a little prodigy quiz. So what I've done is I recycled that quiz. <laughs> Found
3: all the wrong answers.
0: From years ago, yes. <laughs> Only wrong answers accepted.
2: You know, Merwin never needs a leg up on the quiz, I yeah, think it's highly unfair.
0: Repeating yeah. an existing quiz. I mean, well serious. Merwin, you were at you were on that episode, right? I know Elaine was. And you
1: were there and you were a tin <laughs> Man. And you were there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I
0: think the only one who wasn't there was Vanessa, so she will definitely. I'm sure she was listening from Texas when the totes, quiz. Totes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking a few of these out,
1: but I saw th- you crossing stuff off there. Yeah. I love it when we start saying things just you know like, nah. anecdotally, and you're like, oh damn, that was in my no. quiz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, use that. hey, that'll give me yeah, a chance. Oh, I might have just gotten bleeped. I said, damn, on NPR. Yeah, Gosh. that's okay. Mm-hmm. You can say. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Alright, not All right. a problem Good thing I'm not the
0: host All right. So I've only got Because I crossed out mm. a few I've only got
1: four questions <laughs> For this quiz That's going to be a so, four way tie yeah.
0: um, Here's the thing I, I give you a clue and You tell me who it is I give you a second clue and then a third clue right? And, and you have to tell me who this is This person is a prodigy And they can be a fictional character Or a real person Wait, are you okay. are you reading off the clues already? Or are you telling us how to play? No, I'm just okay. telling you how to okay. play. Okay. This person let me, is a
1: prodigy and he might be real. Let me bring in
5: let
0: me bring in some music here. <laughs> this is not Elaine quartet, by the
1: way. <laughs> okay.
2: I feel like I'm on an episode of Great British Bake Off. <laughs> I, I kind of well, wish I was. My
1: pie just fell. <laughs> <laughs> my cake. <laughs> is
0: okay. the
5: Paul Hollywood?
0: Zach, you lost that extra point. <laughs> or that actually went to Elaine earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so Elaine is ahead by one. Zach is behind by one. Negative one. Everybody else has zero. Okay. Demand a recount. This person became a famous pianist while still a child and toured Europe with their father. Mozart. Which Mozart? Uh, <laughs> Wolfie. Nanaro. Nannerl. <now>. Not <laughs> yes,
4: yes. Seriously.
0: Maria Anna. Mozart, also known as Nannerl. Okay, good job. I'm going to give that to Merwin. All right. No, Merwin actually won that point. It's okay.
1: I'm with Vanessa. This person.
0: This person earned a perfect score on the SAT at the age of six. Completed high school in nine weeks at the age of nine. Graduated from Princeton University in 1983 at age ten. Doogie (laughs) Hauser. (laughs) Yeah, you remember this from before. It it seems like yesterday,
1: doesn't it? Wait, is that really the answer? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, of course it was the answer.
0: (laughs) It was totally the answer. (laughs) I think I calculated this
1: graduation year. I'm gonna start uncrossing out some of these from before. Okay. <laughs> you have to give Merwin more, more chances to get more points. I see what you're doing. Yeah. Mm.
0: This child. This child was playing four-hand piano arrangements alongside their father at age five. No clues. Okay. Started composing at age seven, and by eleven, had written a famous ballet. His first opera came at age 21 and made him famous across Europe.
3: Um, i for mm-hmm. uh, Is
0: it Shostakovich? No, but this uh, this is a prodigy. Did I say that before? Yeah, there it's a prodigy.
4: Yeah. Benjamin Britten.
0: Well, who do you think of as like the quintessential classical music prodigy?
4: Myself, maybe.
0: So this guy shares a name with Mozart. Mozart.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> corn gold. It's corn gold.
5: Yes, it's yeah. corn gold. Uh,
0: Erich, uh, Erich okay, gotcha. Eric Wolfgang Corn gold. Right. Just like
1: Eric Wolfgang Mozart. Okay. Here's the
0: David. last one. <laughs> Whew, when so this person. Wolfgang Van Halen.
5: <laughs> <laughs> which,
0: which is a, a real person. I like how like. it's. Yeah. Like piano
3: duet with his dad, it's possible. When, when this, now okay. I can't, I can't unsee that.
0: All right. Oh,
5: bless. <laughs>
0: and now our listeners can't either. All right. When this person was eight months old, they smiled at their father's violin playing, but Winston Payne, whenever dad hit the wrong note.
1: Who's Winston Payne? I'm sorry. you see one of the articles of the Confederates. I'm sorry. No, but I'm writing that down because that is a fabulous
0: pseudonym. Winston P-A-I-N-E. No, P-A-Y-N-E. P-A-Y-N-E. Oh, P A Y. Okay. I stand corrected. Okay, back to the quiz. They asked for a violin at age three. They made their public debut at five. While still a teenager, they played Carnegie Hall and became famous as a violinist. Merwin, you should get this.
3: I really shouldn't. I'm still stuck on Winston.
0: We'll just start naming some <laughs> famous violinist besides Winston. Okay,
4: so...
1: Uh, Heifetz.
4: Okay, Menuhin, Heifetz. Uh, Zach oh, got yeah. it.
1: Woo. Heifetz. Heifetz. I was, I was going to say Menuhin, though, so Alain, I was with you. I was between the two.
5: Good
1: job, guys! <laughs> Excellent. I love that little jingle. It's like it's like the more you know, it's like one exactly. of those little PSAs from NBC circa 1984. A little knowledge is a dangerous thing. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs>
5: exactly.
1: <laughs>
0: So uh, I actually I sort of have to give that to, to Zach, but it's a toss up between Zach and Elaine. I want
1: to I want to point out that you know you always count these things up and say that Merwin won by seventy three points. No. And Merwin, now you just yes. maybe kind of have to give it to Zach. I get I, it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, well, but you also lost a point earlier.
0: Remember
4: <laughs> for so, bad behavior. Okay, fine. That's and
0: it. And Elaine gained a point, so I don't know. We'll just say Merwin won.
4: I said we give it to Shostakovich. Yes. Shostakovich
0: is the winner. Just Absolutely. Winner.
4: Wonderful.
3: I think you would do well on quizzes.
0: Yeah. In, in the time we have left. <laughs> you Laugh- would be totally <laughs>
1: disgusted with it. <laughs> tell,
0: tell us a little more about uh the Strauss piece uh. because uh, <clears throat> we should men- we should try to you know, mention that it's in German, obviously. the Till Eulenspiegel Spiegel is a is a character from German folk mythology, but the rest of the title of this arrangement is "Einmal Anders" or something different for mm-hmm. once, right? Uh, Merwin, why don't you tell us a little bit about this piece and how it's translated for the Essential Five?
3: <laughs> well, so I, I almost feel like I should uh, pass the baton to Vanessa for this one because "Till Eulenspiegel" is such a <clears throat> such an iconic piece for the French horn. Um, oh maybe yeah. I'll the don't I why do I the baton a little bit to that
2: well I don't have a ton of experience with this reduction in air quotes this non-essential reduction is that what you're saying yeah Yeah. but yes till oil and spiegel I remember practicing the opening solo in my high school band hall is that the
0: one that goes it is
1: a great audition piece thank that was especially when I sing
2: it <laughs> and, and what's what's difficult about it is the rhythm because it sounds like it's on the downbeat, but it's really not on the downbeat. And my um, my teacher and at the conservatory, Dave O'Hanian, Canadian Brass, Boston Symphony Empire,
5: he <laughs> yeah. he just
2: really hammered home that rhythm. And so now every time I listen to Till and Linspiegel, I am I am tapping in six eight and making sure that the horn player plays it in the right time. But uh, in terms of the reduction. Uh, I don't see how it's possible, so <laughs> <laughs> is there
0: a horn in the reduction? Does it does it have a horn? Yeah. Oh, the horn.
3: there's no need for the horn. <laughs> <laughs> now,
0: yeah. But
2: Just you know, actually the hardest part is in is kind of in the center of the piece. That beep up goes on and on and on and on and on. There's no place to breathe and it is such a satisfying lick that when you can play it all the way through without Messing it up, You're like,
0: yes. You see, you can tell that Vanessa is a horn player because she uses the beep a ba right <laughs> of technique instead of, of the singer part. Instead of when I was like Nya-nya-nya-nya-nya <laughs> right? <laughs> so, no, but
4: you can you can see that Vanessa is a horn player for one thing that you can tell already. She's like, okay, this uh, I have to get through this. This is uh, it's a uh, horn player, especially principal horn players. They use they often have this saying that says, uh, you know. Playing the horn in New York City, like uh, it's like fun, but without the enjoyment. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> so much responsibility.
5: Yeah. It's
2: about satisfaction, and if you if you played it well and you're satisfied, then you had fun. But it's not necessarily fun <laughs> while you're trying to
5: do it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> that being said, it's an incredibly fun piece for an audience. It Absolutely, is really, really, just such a lighthearted piece. And it, it. I think with the reduction, it, it's even tighter. I think one of the things that's amazing with Strauss, but it, with Till in particular, is that no episode ever goes on too long. But with this particular Hassanerl, um arrangement, it it tightens the transitions just a little bit, because sometimes, you know, you just don't have all of the instruments to cover all of the octaves that <laughs> the original has. So like some of the transitions are a little bit shorter.
2: So you're saying that you essentially need a few more players to play this piece. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Correctly, I think. Yes. No, we're <laughs> yeah. no, no. I th- think of it like a sauce. You're reducing it to its more more important elements. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. So that's the ruse. Um, <laughs> that's crack, the ruse. So, yeah. Perfect. So, um, but th- there's also something really funny about it. So when I think about the German subtitle, I, I, I honestly think of it more like Monty Python—something completely different. Um, Ooh, that's good. but there there's huge amount of humor here mm-hmm. and and uh Merwin it, it it might be worth talking for a second i mean this is something we originally planned to present at the very beginning of this season back in september but you know it just didn't feel like it was the right mood it was it didn't hit the zeitgeist of the moment um when things were very um you know, still very scary. They still are. But, uh, you know, it, we, we didn't know what we were doing going into this this season. We didn't know what to expect. And playing this piece then, just, I think, appropriately, we we removed it from that first chamber concert. And I think, it, you know, there's something, something interesting that we've now restored it back, kind of, you know, certainly what it feels like, I hope, the downside of this slope. But, um, you know, maybe... Through all of our musical explorations since September, you know we've finally arrived at a point where uh, this does feel more appropriate, and having this sense of whimsy that Till is so famous for, and that this essential non-essential reduction uh, really brings brings forth in a in a beautiful way. This is really the time for for this music.
3: I think it's really it's a really great fo- follow up, actually, because we when we decided to reprogram our opening masterworks, uh, we also turned to re- a reimagined piece. Uh, we were doing Vivaldi's Four Seasons, um, Reimagined, Recomposed by Max Richter. And in a way, this piece is also a reimagining. But now, I guess, if we, if a few, you know, in a few months and a few years, we can look back on this and laugh. This is exactly the type of piece that we would be doing it with. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And at, at this point, we decided to take to and be People and do it with five players. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Five kazoo's, right? <laughs> yeah. I've always thought of it as kind of like cartoon music, or like proto-cartoon music. Yeah. When you hear it, you hear a lot of the Carl Stalling scores from <laughs> Warner Brothers. Later Absolutely. on, Looney
1: Tunes. And yeah, but there's still some great Straussian moments, though, from those big tone poems. Uh, that's I, I love how, as, as Merwin said, it's so compact uh, from Strauss's perspective, and that the original Till is so much shorter than, you know, Alpen Symphony. But um, it's. Uh, it, it I mean, you will y'll you'll never bore me with Strauss. So yeah. it, if you put Strauss and you put Shostakovich and you put you know Shostakovich Prime or
2: Alan <laughs> Trudell uh
1: <laughs> on the same program, I, I'm gonna be a happy camper. Excellent. Well the concert is Sunday at seven o'clock
0: PM, streaming online at com. Stream dot Let me try that again.
4: Good
0: job, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, excellent. I have a recording now of that.
5: Uh.
0: Um, so the concert is happening this weekend. It's uh, Sunday at seven o'clock p.m. You can find it at stream.artstoledo.com dot if you want to watch it online. But uh, folks can also watch it uh, live in the auditorium. More information at Toledo Symphony. Dot com, Music of Dmitry Shostakovich, Richard Strauss, Johan Halverson, also our music director Alain Trudel. It's uh, called Prodigal Songs, and we look forward to hearing that.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony, with generous support from the Rita Barber Kern Foundation. You can download episodes of this program as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org/lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Remember, you can check out all the upcoming events at the symphony by visiting their website at ToledoSymphony.com and their various social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find those streaming concerts from the TSO. Those are online at Stream.ArtsToledo.com. My thanks to Zach Basser, Vanessa Gardner, Merwin Sue, and Alain Trudell. I'm Brad Cresswell. You've been listening to Toledo Symphony Lab from FM ninety one.